I don't know about you, but that music gives me goosebumps. Holly G with the Golf Insiders, and for today's segment on For Your Game, I have one of our favorites who we always like to talk to when it's major time. And believe it or not, it's major time in November, the Masters. We're on the eve of the first round of the Masters. It's always a pleasure to introduce Dr. Bob Winters, sports psychologist, author, speaker, mental guru at the David Ledbetter Academy. Dr. Bob, welcome. Good morning, Holly G. How are you? Oh, I just get so excited. I I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to introduce you. I'm just, oh, it's so fantastic. I love the Masters, and I can't believe it's fall. And we've got our third major of the whatever season we're in, 2020, 2021. Where are we, Dr. Bob? Well, this is is really a different type of Masters. I mean, because here we are six months removed. And usually when we talk about the Masters, we're talking the 1st of April, we're talking about the Magnolias, the Azaleas in bloom. We really, it's the signal of the golf season to begin. And this is, you know, really what we call in the astronomy world, the vernal equinox, if you will, of spring. But here we have the autumnal uh, equinox, the fall masters, if you will, and the last masters or the last major of this 2020 year. And it seems a little surreal, a little bit, you know, different, and it will be different because we will have no blooms, no azalea blooms or not as many. Uh, it's still the Augusta National Golf Course. It is still a little piece of heaven right here on, on Earth. Uh, but it will be different, especially without spectators. And to me, that's really what this Masters and this major that separates it from every other event, especially every other major in the world because of this wonderful, unique vista, this venue, and it's the same place every year that we play it and the crowds are such a huge part of this event so when you take away the bloom you take away the spectators you also take away an element of history and of historical pressure because the crowds do add a huge element to this tournament wouldn't you agree well there was no better display of that than 2019 and Tiger Woods' fifth green jacket victory. Uh, it was all about the crowds. It was all about Amen Corner when, uh, you know, four of the players met their demise uh, in the water there at Ray's Creek on number 12, that infamous par three that uh, really looks um, fairly short when you stand on the tee for those of us that have been lucky enough to do that but uh it really brings the demons out in your mind and uh you know the roars the roars that's what we know augusta national to be all about dr bob and um you know i just uh i think it's going to be very different I don't know, uh, maybe an asterisk next to this Masters. What do you think? Well, I think when you take a look at the other majors this year, 
obviously in 2020 we wanted to have the PGA Championship. It's usually you know the the finale of all the majors, but it became you know the the opening salvo of this year, and it was a, a fantastic event because everyone was locked in because of the pandemic, and it was a welcome relief to you know get back to golf. And then you had the Open that was canceled until next year, and then we had our U.S. Open, uh, which was you know very strange. Uh, a very tough golf course at Wingfoot, and really, I, I really welcome back sort of that style of golf. You know, the real high rough and the narrow fairways. And Bryson DeChambeau did a great job. But let's just talk about having no fans. So just leave the Masters Augusta and go to Wingfoot, and let's go to the final one of the final groups, Harris English. Only about two or three shots from the lead, hits a drive down the left side of the fairway, gets into a little bit of that fairway rough, and they miss it, and they can't find the ball. If you think of any major event, especially a U.S. Open or the Masters, where you would actually hit it maybe a little bit left of the fairway, you would had thousands of people you know sort of being right there in the gallery to find the ball so harris english they can't find his ball on the first hole of the last day of a major championship he has to go back and re-tee and hit his third shot i mean that's that's a little bit peculiar plus also at wingfoot there was just a sprinkling of fans just a few here and there uh, people would have their bleachers behind their house, you know, up right behind the fourth fairway or whatever. And so obviously the golf course, and you know, we talk about the U.S. Opens beating the golf course. But now when you get to someplace like Augusta National, you have tens of thousands of, you know, spectators who have actually have their tickets sort of in, you know, in their inheritance handed down generation to generation uh, and they are really it is the toughest ticket in sports to really obtain and it's a wonderful venue for those who've never been there I hope you know that is on your bucket list that you get a chance to go but the one thing that makes Augusta special Holly and you know this because you've been there I've been there with all of my different players is that when you walk when you walk around the golf course it is unbelievable just the crowds you know that you know are there the crowds and the roars and you come around amen corner you coming down that 11th fairway and then you get right there to number 12 where everyone sort of has their demise you've got a stadium a football stadium about seven to eight thousand people that are right there watching you hit your shot and they are right up on you and, and that's really what makes that you know little uh 12th hole so tough because you have that audience effect the evaluation effect and you hear the oohs and the ahs and you can hear those roars through that valley coming around amen corner coming up the 13th fairway 14 15 and i remember years ago being there and you could hear the roars for tiger woods you know winning like his first victory you could hear them all over the course and the same thing happened when nicholas won there in 86 it was just the whole place was an amphitheater it was like a huge uh megaphone it would be like playing in two or three football stadiums the, the crowd was so uh loud and Palmer, even when Palmer was playing, and he would have his 10, 11, 12,000 people following him from hole to hole. So this year, because we don't have those audience effects, the spectators, I think you're also talking about 
there isn't the same emotional contagion of good or bad, of the pressure or of the emotional stimulation, the adrenaline rush, you know, the, the feeling of that fan's uh, momentum, you know, behind you. So there are, there are some definite psychological effects because of the spectators not being there. So, uh, you know, they say that it, on average, uh, most of the players uh, have participated six times in in the Masters uh, before they before they win. However, uh, Fuzzy Zeller was uh, an exception as somebody that won in his first Masters, and um, we've had Colin Morikawa who won his first PGA Championship, his first major in what how many uh, events as a rookie. So these young guns have you know, really shaken up that whole idea about, you know, you sort of got to, you know, uh, get your feet wet and find your way. Based on, you know, the lack of crowds, do you think that helps these, you know, first-timers? Does it bring more players into the mix because of that? I happen to believe, you know, that it does. I mean, I've, I've always said this, is that, for most of these tournaments that I have seen now, and I haven't been, you know, to either one of the other two majors. I just, you know, watched them on TV. I had players playing in them. But uh, they said something that I thought uh, Bill Belichick of New England Patriots said about his first couple of games without the crowds. He goes, it seems a lot like, you know, playing a practice game really what it seems like there's no crowds or whatever and that's when they started pumping in like all of this audience noise over the loudspeakers and also uh in your home so they would right. actually mix it mix it so and, and sometimes they would pan they wouldn't even pan uh the stadium but it made you feel at home that you were right there part of it but you know answering your question the crowds so many times at the Masters, there's seven, eight, nine people deep of some of these holes, and they outline the perimeter of the hole. They really sort of set, you know, the template. Here's where you need to go. Here's here's sort of you know how the hole bends or whatever. Very true. And, and and now they won't have that, and you don't have this sort of that depth perception, that angle, you know, the people behind the greens, whatever, to sort of you know help you know frame the hole. So it's almost like playing, and I've heard a lot of my players talk to me about this. It's like playing, you know, a golf course, much like Augusta National. Some of the real nice events they would go play in college, like Torrey Pines or, or places like that. It's like playing a college match. Is that you didn't have any crowds? You were just, you know, trying to beat the golf course, and you knew your score was important. So, I happen to believe that for the newcomers, okay, that will help, but. Augusta National, Holly, experience, you know, there's just no substitute for that tournament and that tournament experience. Knowing, you know, where to hit it, where to keep it, you know, from going, you know, that is a no-miss situation. You really messed up if you if you hit it over here. Um, and especially knowing the approach angles. I remember talking with Bernhard Longer back years ago uh, back in 1985 when he won his first Masters and I had had a chance to you know talk with him a couple of weeks before and work a little bit on his putting but we were talking on the phone he was talking about how he felt he had such a good 
uh, ability to win at Augusta because he was such a precise iron player. A lot of people want to talk about, you know, this power precision, power off the tee, but really Augusta is about two things that most people don't think about. It is about being able to place your irons correctly on the greens so when the ball hits the fall line the slope will actually feed the ball into the pin wherever that pin location is that day and if you're really good at throwing darts at you know these greens at augusta you do give yourself a chance to make putts it isn't just all about putting it's about giving yourself good putts in the right position so that you afford yourself a, a nice putt because those greens are so slick and so sloped that if you get it in the wrong position, like above the hole and you've got a down and away sliding putt, I mean, it's very conceivable. And it's happened many times where you can actually four putt and five putt. And I remember Brent Snedeker one time, I think he had a four putt or five putt. And uh, Fred Couples was playing with him and boom, boom, took him over to the side and said, hey, Brent, everybody's done it once, twice, three times. He goes, I think I've four-putted here a couple of times. You know, so don't feel bad about it. I mean, and these are the best players in the world. So this whole notion about who can win here and you know, what type of game they have, I think the biggest thing is you have to you know, really glean from your experience. And talking about that, one of the players that I, I'm really rooting for this year is Tony Finau. Because Tony was in the last group playing with Tiger and uh, Molinari last year. And I had a chance to talk a little bit with Tony earlier this year. And I said, use that experience of playing with Tiger in that final round. And he said, because what he saw from a very early get-go, that Tiger was all focused, all business. There was going to be no chit-chat. It was just beat the golf, stay in your own little zone and control the controllables. And I, I think when a player like that, you are there firsthand, Holly, that's really what gives you the experience. You've been here before. You know what you did well. You know what you didn't do so well and what you need to improve upon. That's why I think experience is so such a big deal here at Augusta because you need those three, four, five years of previous master's experience to understand, you know, the do's and the don'ts uh, of playing this beautiful golf course. Well, speaking of experience, nobody with more experience, and it's hard to believe that we are however many months since the big win by Tiger last April. Interestingly, in his interview yesterday, you know, he was asked what, you know, he, he thought, uh, you know, what, what was his uh, uh, thought process? Or, I, I, I can't remember exactly how Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel put it. But, you know, Tiger's quick responses are always, I'm here to win, right? I, he probably was asking what, you know, what, what did he think is, you know, where his game was at, what his chances were. And I didn't hear that from Tiger. He actually sort of reflected back to his first win and was, you know, um, you know, it was very interesting. It was sort of more of, uh, you know, Tiger, the 44-year-old, um, looking at what his prospects were. And I was surprised at that because I would think even Tiger uh, at the Masters always feels he has a chance to win. What do you think? Well, I, 
I think that's really what maturity does to you. It, it gives you a chance to look back in hindsight and say, well, here's where I am now. Here's where I was before. When we start talking about confidence and you start talking about youthful confidence, naive confidence, I mean, uh, everybody says, hey, I want to win. I can do this. And what happens is that the trials and tribulations of this unbelievable game, they sort of beat you down. And you start to become a little bit, I don't want to say uh, once bit, twice shy, is that you just realize that there's so many things could happen. And you just don't have that blind faith, that innocence of confidence to say, yeah, I'm going to go out and win this thing. Because you've come so close many times that sometimes you didn't you know, close the deal. But here is a man who's actually won this tournament five times. Five times. And I think he really understands what it takes for him to actually win. You know, will he put on a sixth jacket? Because now he's chasing not only his record, but Jack Nicholas's, you know, record at the majors. So each one he actually adds on to this is going to be probably a little bit harder because why you know father time you know is kind of you know working against him his body is working against him and i was thinking of, of a young tiger and i saw an interview a couple of days ago and they said what's your routine like he said well my routine used to be getting up at four thirty-five o'clock run for, you know four or five miles you know lift some weights go hit balls for two or three hours, go play some, and at the end of the day, you know, run another four or five miles, and then maybe, you know, play some basketball or tennis. And then he said, and he laughed, he goes, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> and, you know, so he is, I mean, that's really what happens as you age, your body will not allow you, your mind is willing, but the body is not capable of doing all the things that your mind wants. But I think in answering, you know, your question, Holly, I think Tiger is a little bit more resistant now to come up with a more thoughtful, truthful answer for himself and for the world than rather than say, I'm here to win. I mean, that's a bold statement to say, I'm here to win. I think he is there to win, and I think he knows what it takes to win. But, you know, what you know, what you still have to do, you still have to go out and execute. And that's why I think anytime you have golf predictors and they start making the odds – that is one of the toughest things to actually compute because you could have, you could have everything, the data, everything on paper, but you could throw all that stuff out the window because human performance is based on so many other things besides just hard statistics. No one really measures the size of one's fortitude or the size of one's wantism or the size of their heart. And that's really it, that really makes a big difference. And when players really find something within themselves, that faith, that belief, and they say, this is what I'm going to do, that really is the X factor. That's an exceptional. But it's also the X factor in execution. What do I have to do in order to execute to the very best of my ability to give myself a chance to compete and also the chance to win. So I think Tiger understands what he needs to do. A lot of people are saying he, he's really not, you know, he, he didn't have that good of a couple of practice rounds. But no one gives you a check uh, on the practice tee for warming up well. No one gives you a trophy for having a great practice round. It's all about the day of competition 
and that competition starts tomorrow. Well, speaking of the competition, uh, weather's going to play a big factor, Dr. Bob. Um, the, you know, it's prediction for, it uh, looks like um, some significant rain. The course is going to be soft. It's going to require even more patience. And that's something that, you know, Tiger has a lot of experience with. So, you know, perhaps that would bring his odds up a little bit in the uh, sport betting pools. Well, I think so. I've always said, you know, it's one of my, my sayings is that patience is confidence waiting to happen, meaning you have to be really, really patient. I, I love the story about Tiger's mother, Katita, talking to him about being patient because she said, Tiger, it isn't always about going out and slaying the dragon and, and meeting him head on. What you really want to have is patience. Allow the opportunity. Let the dragon rear its ugly head. And then when the time is right, you take your sword and you cut its head off. Now, that was from his mother. And, you know, Earl was, you know, sort of the, the Green Beret army. Let's go out. Let's make it happen. Let's, you know, birdie every hole. But his mother had a nice, patient, almost Zen Buddhist type way of thinking that, you know, stay patient. So Tiger had a nice Eastern Western influence of make it happen and then allow for it to happen. So uh, I think, you know, this is really going to help, you know, Tiger Woods. But here, when you're talking about this storm, here we are, we're awaiting, you know, maybe a, a presence of a hurricane. They're going to have some of these tropical storms, tropical thunderstorms uh, hitting up into Augusta here, you know, tomorrow. And they're going to have some rain. And we're talking about the Masters now. We're talking about November. We're talking about tropical storms coming, you know, resulting from a hurricane. This is very different than what we talk about mostly at the first week of April, isn't it? It sure is. Um, another uh, topic I want to get your thoughts on, uh, because I felt for a while that this fall Masters was going to set up very well for Rory McIlroy and his chance to complete the career grand slam. And I've thought this from a number of perspectives. One, you know, the fact that it is being played in the fall, uh, the, you know, the, the feeling's going to be different. I think that bodes well for Rory. Um, let's talk about, he has been, talk about somebody uh, with some wisdom and perspective now at 31 years of age. Yes, Rory, 31. Uh, with a new baby and now married. Um, going back to 2011, you know, when he was leading the Masters by three, you know, he was just on, uh, you know, world number one at the time and uh, had that horrible collapse on number 10. Uh, he's talked a lot about it, uh, but, you know, this is dealing with failure, right, Dr. Bob? Very key to uh, how you excel, not only in golf, in life uh speak about that and how uh you feel rory has learned from that experience well i think the old saying is that if you want to increase your success double and triple your chances of failure and it really what it, it comes back to like the michael jordan saying you know the reason why i'm so successful is that i've failed you know twenty one thousand times you know i failed with all these last second shots so really what we understand the one thing from failure is that failing doesn't kill us. Um, 
many, you know, very often people go, wow, you know, I failed so many times. Uh, I'm, I feel like I can't do it. I always, you know, remind my players, I go, listen, you know, you have to be able to learn something from all these failings. If you don't learn from your failings, I said, that's, that's, is the ultimate failure when you don't learn from your previous failings, because sometimes we have to take two steps back to go four steps forward. So I remember Rory, I remember Rory hitting it, you know, there almost in the cabins and off of number 10, but it was almost as if he was like on, he thought auto, automatic pilot, but what we all know and what we've heard for many, many decades now is that the Masters tournament really doesn't start until the back nine on the final day. And, and that's really when, you know, the, the psychological presence of this is history. You could be wearing the green jacket. This will be your home forever. You will always have a green jacket. You will always be uh, immortalized, you know, in your own locker here at Augusta National Clubhouse. So all of this perceptual fat uh, sort of hangs on you, and you've got to really sort of get through that. But I thought, you know, really what affected Rory and where you could see it the most is in, you know, sort of what we call the fine motor skills, the putting, the short shots, the chipping. And I remember on uh, the 12th hole, again, we come to that little 12th hole where Rory, I think, four or five putted. He went back and forth. And he really started off at about a 20 or 30 footer. It really wasn't that long of a putt. But he missed it, you know, long, and then came back. And you could see his frustration. He just just looked right right then. He was a beaten man. And all of us know who played this game, either recreationally or some level of competition, after you have this debacle, after you have sort of a breakdown, a meltdown, whatever you want to call it, you walk off the green and you go to the next tee and you kind of are in shell shock. And you ask yourself, what in the Sam hell just happened? And, and you do. And, you, and you're, you're just sort of drifting. You're sort of wandering for you know, several minutes, sometimes an hour. But that's what happens to so many amateur players. And that's why this is a great segment for, for your game, is that you have to be able to put whatever has happened and to recover as quickly as you possibly can. Much easier to talk about than it is to do. But when you actually feel and you know that you've given away so many shots, and shots there at Augusta or any tournament, they're just so hard to obtain, and they're so easy to, to, to allow to slip away. And, and that's really what makes this game, especially the stroke play part of the game, very tough. Because in match play, when people say, oh, I love to play match play, well, no matter how bad you play on one hole, you could only just lose one hole. But in stroke play, metal play, I mean, every stroke counts. And that's why we always talk about to all of our players is that the name of this game is to save strokes not waste them. So I think if Rory McIlroy can actually tap into his experience and say, okay, you know, I know what could happen. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. And now let's just play golf. The other thing I would tell Rory is, Rory, you know, let go of trying to create this grand slam. Don't try to go out and try to win this Masters. Just play Rory McIlroy golf. 
play to beat the golf course. And I think that is the reason why Nicholas and Woods have won six and five green jackets, because they realize that everyone else is trying to win the Masters, trying to win this very special major. But what their focus was, was to play their game the best way they could to beat the course and never forget in the final you know, analysis, what's the goal? The goal is to get the ball in the hole as fast and efficient and effective as they possibly can without all of this psychological trappings. Because once you do have the lead, the lead sometimes turns to lead, Holly, because then you have to go into the newsroom. You have to talk to all the reporters under the big oak tree. <laughs> you know, there's just so many other, other factors that, you know, really, you know, play upon your psyche. And if you can just kind of put all of that stuff to rest, and that's another thing that some of these players won't have to do. They'll have to deal with some of the press, but it won't be the massive media you know, scrum that we're used to. Exactly. And that's that's sort of again weighs on your mind. That's another pressure building event that will not be really totally here in mass as it has been in the past. So it'll be interesting. I tell you what, it's always fun to watch it. Uh, I don't know if we put an asterisk on this, but whoever wins this green jacket, uh, I just really want to say this. The Masters will always be great, but I think it's really important that we actually hope, you know, we record this Masters, take a look at it here in November, and then hopefully April when everything opens up even so much more and we have crowds and people, we can see and just compare the difference between the two because I think it'll be interesting to interview the players after this week and then you know from years past or from years forward to say what was the difference i think we're going to get some great information there i think we are and uh, one thing that the fans um, watching from home have uh, been treated to is really uh, getting to see these golf courses dr bob from a whole different perspective and you know, in a way to be able to see Augusta National without the fans on TV is going to give a lot of people at home that feeling that they've actually been there, walked the course in a way that um, they, they never would before. And, you know, it, it is hallowed ground. Um, you know, many a time I take a walk after the practice rounds are over and it is truly a very, very special place, Augusta, whether, you know, there'll be fans um, there, no fans there. I, I think, um, you know, there's the history, just the, you know, the, the ghosts of players past, being around the many past champions. There's, you know, there's so much aura at Augusta National. It's, it's really going to be fun. And I really want to, you know, add a caveat, you know, to what you just said. For many of these people, I mean, I'm talking about the forty, the fifty thousand spectators who are there every year religiously. This will probably be the first Masters that they've had a chance to sit at home and watch the Masters play out on all the different holes because I would say almost, you know, a three-fourths, maybe a 40,000 of these, they go, they grab their seat, and they stay at one spot all 
day on that one hole. They've only seen they see all the players come through, but they've only seen that one hole. So it'll be interesting to kind of get their perspective when they say, "Wow, I hadn't really seen that before. I'm seeing the whole golf tournament because I've always said because I have been very very blessed in my many years to have been there." Okay, and then their first hand, all right, not as a player, but as a coach and you know, spectator and, and willing participant, you know, to be part of the festivities. But the point is, is that there's no better place to watch the Masters than on your couch at home on Sunday afternoon with your beverage so you don't miss a thing. And I, I have, you know, I know because I have family members, especially my older brother. I mean, he lives for this week. I mean, he buys himself all the chips and the snacks and the beverages, and he sits for four days in front of his TV just watching this religiously. And he says, this is the best place to really watch the Masters. And, and you don't have to do any of the walking. You don't have to actually fight other people for it. But it's, it's pretty funny. I remember one of uh, my former co-hosts uh, talking about his wife starting to vacuum clean during <laughs> during the final round on Sunday, and he said, "There's no vacuuming on Masters Sunday." <laughs> that's, that's like that's like putting Heidi on for the Super Bowl. They cut off the Super Bowl so they could put you know watch the movie Heidi many many decades ago, many years ago. That's just uh, that's that's just a, a terrible sin to have. That's yeah, right. That, that, that is bad, but I will say this: uh, who, whoever wins, you know, this year is it, going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to watch. And for for me, as as a sports psychologist, as as a player, as a coach, um, no matter you know if there's crowds there or not, I think the importance of you know coming down the stretch it will be it will be felt. The one thing that I've always had players tell me they go i knew i was doing something really well and i would say you know why an internal feeling he goes no he because before you know, before you know it you got two three four five people around you following you with video cameras uh you know and recorders and mics and whatever so you know you're doing something really good so there is that you know audience pres presence it's that video presence is that you know you've got that little red light on that camera looking at you and it's filming you and that's another thing that you have to be able to compartmentalize and not allow you to get distracted so there there are some little cues uh, that you have to be, you know, uh, aware of so that when you're coming down the stretch, obviously you can take a look at the huge white leaderboards for sure if you're a leaderboard watcher. But I always love it when, you know, the, the camera crews start coming around and they start following somebody who's really, really hot. And uh, so that's something else that these players are going to have to uh, monitor as well. Well, Dr. Bob, it's always, uh, always fun to chat with you and um, it's going to be uh, a great Masters, always is. All right, Dr. Confidence, uh, who are you picking to have the green jacket on Sunday? Yeah, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm looking, you know, at some different players this year, obviously, uh, because I think he's been so close, and he, and he would be a very popular winner. Tony Finau would be a great, great uh, champion. Uh I don't, I don't count out, you know, Brooks Kepka, uh, but Louis Oosthuizen, 
uh, has been, you know, rounding, you know, coming around, showing some great form. Uh, I tell you what, it's just so hard to pick. I mean, I tell you what, I love everybody, and I'm, I'm an equal opportunity sports psychologist. I would love to have everyone have the chance. And I would love to see the six amateurs, uh, you know, do well. And I would love to see, you know, more than half of them make, you know, the cut. Uh, I think that's really good because I think, you know, what we talked about, your theory about, you know, the amateurs and the first timers here uh, may have, you know, a little bit uh, less pressure on them. I think we'll see maybe more amateurs make the cut this year than we've seen in years past. So that's my only prediction I'll give. I just uh, I just want it to be a great, great Masters. And the great thing about this is, Holly, here's the Masters as our final event of this 2020 season, and it'll be our first event of the 2021 season just six months down the road that's right it, it really is uh hard to keep this all straight in our minds but um can't can't wait for the first uh, t-ball to be in the air tomorrow morning dr bob winters for our listeners who want to take their mental game to the next level how do they reach out to you they can reach out to me holly at a couple of different venues drbobwinters.com drbobwinters.com and also my other site theconfidencedoctor.com and they can reach me there and if you don't get either one of those drbobwinters.com or theconfidencedoctor.com you can always reach me at the David Ledbetter Academy at ledbetter.com so thanks, Holly. It's been great, you know, talking with you. Hey, I didn't get a chance to ask you. Let's turn the tables here on the host, and you are the greatest hostess in the world. Who do you think, and who's your chance to win the Masters this year? Oh, you dirty dog, Dr. Bob. Um, <laughs> well, here's I. First of all, I'm 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 uh, gonna say that Tiger will put another Masters on his resume, and perhaps beat Jack Nicholas at the age of 46. I'm, I'll go on the record there. And this, okay. this could be the one, given the potential uh, weather issues, if you know his back is in good shape. Uh, a couple of people that are on my radar, one is Justin Thomas. He has played well at Augusta, trending in the right direction. Uh, if his putting is on, I think he's got the mental fortitude to win a green jacket. Um, I also think Jason Day has been playing quite well. And if he stays healthy over the next four days, could be in the winner's circle. And, um, hmm, I like Dustin Johnson as well. You talk about okay. a guy who um, also has, you know, been playing extremely well in the majors uh has the length and i think has just that inner um metronome in his mind uh, that could bring him a green jacket so those are a few off the top of my head dr bob well one thing about dj they asked him the other day and i thought this was really quite funny he said uh what's your favorite aspect of augusta he said there's so many things he goes i love everything 
especially the sandwiches. And he said, which one? He goes, all of them. You know, so I think that's great. Well, we're looking forward to it, Holly. Thanks so much for having me, you know, on your show. Thank it's you, always, Dr. Bob. It's always great to be here with you. All Have right. a great Master's Week, Holly. All right. We always appreciate your time. Thanks so much, my friend.